When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness, March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, and we've got a special edition of our podcast this time. I'm going to be joined by Craig Robinson, the NABC Executive Director, that's the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Ed Cooley, Head Coach at Providence College, and John Carter Jr. from the Naval Academy, a rising senior, one of their best players on a team that... Uh, Certainly played well last season, uh, was looking like they could maybe make the NCAA tournament, uh, and then hit a bit of a roadblock in the Patriot League tournament against Loyola of Maryland in sort of an abbreviated season. The topic will be the mental health as well as the physical health of today's college basketball players and coaches. I want to put this in context. It's not just because Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles needed a break in the greater global sports world. Think back to the way in which, at least in the sport of basketball, Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan have come out and been at the forefront of talking about mental health and how we're in a new era where it's okay to not be okay, to need a break, whether you're a player, a coach. And those of us in the media have a responsibility to handle it appropriately. If someone, player or coach, cannot participate on a given day, practice or game, that's okay. And we can say that's okay. They needed a break for whatever reason that's personal to them. We need to handle it appropriately as well. The brain is as important, if not more so, then the ankle, the knee, the shoulder, the elbow. It's all part of the human body of trying to be ready for competition in some form or fashion. So I love this conversation. It's a conversation that needs to be had. I think we're entering a new season in a new way and in a much more healthier way going forward for all of us. So here's my conversation with Ed Cooley, Craig Robinson, and John Carter Jr. And welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of March Madness, March Madness 365. I'm Andy Katz, pleased to be joined by three esteemed guests here, Providence College Head Coach Ed Cooley, Craig Robinson, the Executive Director of the NEBC, that's the National Association of Basketball Coaches, former head coach at Oregon State and Brown, 
and a rising senior at the Naval Academy, John Carter Jr. Uh, John, of course, thank you for your service and everything you do for this country and uh, everything that you're doing at the Naval Academy. First off, as we get into this whole conversation about preparing for the season and how everything has changed so much in college basketball, but also on the mental and physical health side of everything, we're playing off of what has occurred certainly in the Olympics with Simone Biles, what we saw in tennis with Naomi Osaka, and really all in basketball in general, what everyone has had to go through to get to this point. First, I just want to go around our group here. I will start with you, John, and I know you're in a different situation at the Naval Academy, but what way do you think our sport has changed over the last year as we get ready for hopefully a normal season in a semi-post-COVID world? John? First, I'll just I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on these, this, this call. But to open up, I believe in general sports, but your question you asked about basketball specifically, I just think the, the topic of mental health is allowed. I don't think before it was a thing that we talked about. I think it was something that was just thrown under the rug um, just because we have this idea as a society that men more specifically have to keep in all their feelings and keep in all their thoughts, um, no matter how they're thinking. I think this idea that we have to be tough is actually the complete opposite of what tough really means. I think the true toughness um, and how to truly be, you know, a man, quote unquote, is uh, being nurturing, showing empathy, and allowing your thoughts and feelings to be expressed without the repercussion of maybe shame or, you know, looking frowned upon with that lack of better words. I just think overall, it's something that is talked about now. I think that's what where we move into. You know, it helped out with having Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan more specifically and their respective um, status as NBA players come out with it. Um, and so that obviously opened the door even more. I don't think it was talked about before, and I don't think it was really thought about at all either. Ed and Craig, if you guys can jump in first, just overall your thoughts on that topic, and then we'll dive a little deeper. John, thanks a lot for sharing that. And, and it stood out where you said it's, it's allowed. I feel within society today, within sport, I think having the space and the platform to share emotional wellness, mental wellness of equity and inclusion, uh, you know, those stresses to me are becoming less and less with the inner athlete. And you said a uh, uh, man, quote unquote. I mean, th there's a lot of different emotions that go into competing. You know, and part of those emotions are who you are and how you feel. It's okay to share how you feel. And in the past, you had to suppress those emotions because you were looked at differently. I feel better today as a head coach than I did a year, five, 10, 15 years ago with respect to our players, men and women at all sports, at all levels, having the space, the safe space to say, I'm struggling. I need some help. And we, on the other hand, say it's okay. And I think the more that we can use those words, it's okay, versus looking at athletes as their superheroes and have some, you know, that, that kryptonite isn't going to stop them. Kryptonite is yourself, is your thought process. You know, I know that's a little bit deep, but at the same time, it's real. And that's kind of how I feel toward that. First of all, thanks for having me on, Andy. It's always great to connect with you. And it's great to see Ed Cooley, who uh, I don't get to see as often. Uh, and John, it's great to meet you. But where I'll start is just kind of to piggyback on what Ed said, whether it's Simone Biles or just everyday friends and coworkers, 
our country is starting to treat mental health similarly to the way we respect and value physical health. Mm -hmm. And as the NABC, Ed knows this, uh, we have been encouraging our coaches throughout the last year to prioritize the mental health and emotional well-being of their students as well as themselves, right? We, we pushed hard for the NCAA to relax restrictions on team activities during the pandemic this season, knowing how important it was for coaches to be present with their student athletes like John and spending more time with them, whether it's on the court or off the court, those rules were sort of not made for the times we were in. And to go along with another point that Ed said, it's not just the pandemic that's made this year difficult. Uh, many athletes and coaches of color have experienced the trauma of these high profile incidents of racism and injustice. And, you know, we just want all of our coaches as well as their players and their families and their staffs to understand it's okay to raise your hand, like John said, and, and ask for help. So I want to piggyback what you just said, Craig, because I think this was critical what happened last summer uh, with the incident in the state of Wisconsin, you know, the shooting there and the Bucks down in Orlando said, you know what, we can't play today. We're just, we're too overwhelmed with emotion. And that was okay. I don't know if that would have been okay, you know, five years ago, two years ago, a year ago. And, and John, I know, you know, I don't want to speak for a military academy. I know it might be a little bit harder to navigate, but I'm curious from your vantage point, And then, you know, Ed and Craig, if you can come after this, just how you deal with outside things that maybe are outside of your control, but have overcome you with emotion if you and your teammates need to say, you know what, we need a break because of everything going on. Something might be happening on your campus. Something might have happened, you know, I mean, you're at a military camp. Something might have happened globally in an armed conflict where you may say, you know what, we need to pause because these are people that we know or people that affect us or people that look like us that have been affected. Mm -hmm. How has it changed to where that can be accepted to take a pause? Yeah, that's actually an interesting question. And I'm glad you brought it up. Um, a great example of something that I personally experienced last season, not this past season, but the year prior when I was a sophomore, the Naval Academy sadly had two midshipmen pass away within two weeks. Um, and the second midshipman who passed, we had a game a week later, but his, his uh, funeral was a few days after he passed on the uh, Naval Academy campus. And so when we went to the funeral, we had practice afterwards like right after. And I think if those incidents happened a year after, like this past season, I think they would have been handled a lot differently because of how okay it was to take a step back, reflect, decompress on emotional turmoil and setting aside the work. I think, like you said, the Bucks, when they set aside the work and put their emotion in mental state, number one on their priority list, I think it was shown like, okay, that's okay. But in contrast, when we had that, that situation, we still were under the impression like, no, we need to get to work, make sure we get uh, put the time in that way we're prepared for the game, which it should be. Let's make sure mentally as a team, we're OK, make sure we're emotionally all OK. That way, when we do come back to work, we can be sharp and be the best we can be. I think the Bucks definitely changed a lot of that. Me personally, when stuff outside of basketball um, happens that could affect me in basketball 
you know, personally, I am a man of faith, so that's where I, my foundation is. But, you know, outside of that, it's more of just accepting the reality and also just talking to people. Uh, I think dialogue and communication is 100% um, the best way. Obviously, you need to talk to the right people. Not everyone is going to give you what you need to hear or what you want to hear. Um, but definitely not holding it in, talking to people, approaching people that you trust and truly uh, value their opinion. And that way you can get all that out into the air and decompress a little bit. Well said, John. Well said. And, you know, there are a lot of things. I mean, I'm a people person. I love people regardless of race or color or religion. Um, You know, we all bleed. We all have our biases. Yet at the end of the day, when I saw the many young men and women of color being, whether it was singled out, whether it was being um, identified as doing the wrong thing and just being judged, that bothered me a lot, in particular with police. My wife being a retired police officer and her being judged a certain way, the godparents of my children are police officers, wonderful, wonderful people. And unfortunately, I think many police are thrown in with the bad apples. I mean, there are bad people everywhere, but not everyone is a bad person. For those police officers that abuse their power, per se, shame on them. Shame on them. But I don't want America or people to view all police officers as bad people. And everybody in public service is not a bad person. So, I mean, that that touched me in, in a major, major way. And in doing so, seeing some of our colleges and our sports programs, you know, really put an emphasis on hiring help for our student athletes sports psychologists to try to get us through these rough waters. And I think right now there's a lot of political BS where everybody feels they have to have a voice. I think we have to put the politics aside and understand what's important for the person. We're people. When I walk up and down the street, I know, I know for a fact, they don't see a basketball coach. They see a big black man. That's the first impression. Even walking in Newport when I saw you this weekend, a woman crossed the street when I walked. Crossed the street. I won't harm a fly. (laughs) But at the same time, that's where we still are in America or around the world. So those things to this day still bother me. And to educate my children, you know, my children are Dominican and Black. So, you know, and we talk about race a lot. We talk about race a ton. I want my children to be educated on their, they are different. Whether they think they're not, they're looked at as different because we are the minority and we're not in the majority. So how are we going to handle a hard conversation? And the hard conversations to give is to educate people the best they can on the why. This is how I feel and this is the why that you don't have to deal with. And you and I can walk into the same spot. They're going to give you a little bit more love, baby. That's just the way it is. Now, I'm going to have a lot to say to that person. I can tell you that because I'm not going to shut up. You know, I'm going to say, hey, this is one of my boys of all time. Last time I checked, we look the same. We just have a different skin complexion. That's all. So those are the things that bother me. I'm right there with you. We all have these experiences that we have to get through and that we have to get our players through and our, our fellow coaches through. And, you know, we have to get our allies like Andy through, too, because this is hard on them, too. But to get back to the Bucks, what you said about the Bucks and what John said about players, you know, this was a time when players actually taught us 
taught the adults how to advocate for ourselves and our own mental well-being. Ed, I want to just go back to you and get John's reaction as well in that if someone has an ankle injury, a knee injury, the trainer comes in, he can't practice today. He can't play in the game. How closer are we, or maybe we're there now, where if the player says, you know, I just can't go today. My head's not right. And I, and I think back, you know, completely different sport, but obviously, you know, people were losing sight of what Simone Biles was saying, where she wasn't right and had the twisties. I mean, that like that was dangerous. If she's not right and she does the flips, you know, she can suffer a catastrophic injury. And it's the same thing, not to maybe the same degree, but, you know, if you're not right, you could potentially harm yourself, but your team could be harmed. Um, how close are we if we're not there yet to when a player says that to you, Ed? I just can't go today. Even if it's a big game, I just, my head's not right. Because if it was an ankle injury or knee, you'd be like, got it. How close are we to being that being accepted? I think we're there. You know, I, I, I do. I think we're there. I think we as the coaches and administrators of our programs understand the importance of emotional and, and mental well-being. And if your player's head is not there, why would you put him in the game? You know, why would you expose him or her to that? I know for me in talking about our program, if one of our players approach me in that manner, I say, no problem. How can we help? How can we help? You know, you don't have to come to the game. You know, it could be our, it could be the leading scorer in the country in a place for us. At the end of the day, we got to do what's right for our young men and women, you know, and again, I don't think everybody will take that approach as far as, you know, your fan base or everything. Oh, suck it up. You know, you're okay. You know, you're on scholarship. We're paying for you to be at school or what have you. At the end of the day, I don't think you can listen to the noise. You've got to follow what's right. And when you, when you do the right thing, it's hard to be wrong. So Craig, to that point, from an NABC perspective, you know, we got a lot of generations of coaches, some without naming names, maybe from 10 years ago, might not have had that same answer that Ed said. I know context matters of where we are in a society, but at the same time, how do you convey that to the coaches saying exactly what Ed said? It's okay if your player just can't go for whatever reason. Uh, their head's not right, and that's okay. Yeah, Andy, and uh, that's true. We have coaches of, of all different age brackets and and sort of styles and what we've been trying to do as the NABC is to get back to what what Ed was saying about the public we have to educate ourselves we have we as the NABC we're trying to educate our coaches on how important uh the mental health and well-being of their players the, themselves and their staff are to the student athlete and first we need to be willing to let our guard down right? And admit that we're not okay and that seeking help isn't a sign of weakness and or it's less of a sign of manlyhood. It's part of our responsibility as being coaches. Secondly, and importantly, what, what we're trying to, um, we're trying to elicit out of our membership is we have to look out for each other. Coaches have to look out for coaches. And Ed knows this, and you know this, Andy, when, when I first got into coaching, Coaches looked out for each other. You know, we had some tough games on the court, but we always looked out for each other. Uh, very tight-knit community, and we need to make it a priority to check in on our friends and colleagues. And this is an issue we're working through now at the NABC 
by instituting a new mentoring program. Many coaches, particularly young ones, can feel isolated and, 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 and we wanna pair them with coaches who have been through these wars. And at the same time, our young coaches can, as you talked about, educate our older coaches on how times have changed and, and we need to, to be more open to our student athletes' feelings about things. So, you know, those are a couple of the things that we're working on but I would I would sum it up by saying we all need to educate ourselves in this in this realm as coaches more than we have and understand where our student athletes live and meet them where they live. I don't want to put them on the spot, but you played in the 80s for Pete Carrill, part of that older generation. I mean, I'm just curious, like, how would that have gone over in the 80s with someone who's iconic as uh, Pete Carrill? He was old school, made you feel bad, and and it wouldn't have gone over today like it did back then. And we still have some coaches who are my age who have sort of come up that way, but to their credit, they've they've sort of taken the good things that a coach had behind the the bad things that were really sort of persecutorial and personal. And I see coaches, you know, I've been I've been not going around. I'm just now going around, but I've been talking to a lot of coaches. And what I, I like about our coaches that they understand these are different times. Children are telling them these are different times. Their spouses, their players. And, and to our coaches' credit, they are rising to the occasion. Our last item on this topic, i start with you, John. I'm going to flip it. How does today's student athlete handle a coach who needs the same break? Practice comes, whatever's going on in his or her life, they can't be there. They need a break. How would a student athlete handle that? Honestly, I never thought about that question before, but just initially because of the generational difference and because of how the way our generation thinks, I think it would be a lot more receptive with, you know, athletes these days. I think they would be a hundred percent cool with it. If, you know, whoever the coach is communicated and was vulnerable enough to say like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I need to take care of this today but you have such and such coaches still here. Y'all are still going to get your work in. I'm going to take care of myself and I'll be back tomorrow. I just think maturity wise and reasonability wise, like our generation will get it. I'd be surprised if there was anyone who didn't get that. I think that would just go over pretty well. As long as the communication is clear, I think that's it. I think our generation really wants to understand the why behind a lot of things. So if they don't understand the why, then it's really they have a hard time getting behind whatever you're trying to tell them or getting behind the purpose of something. If they don't understand why they're doing it or why you're doing it. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think that uh, it wouldn't be as hard as maybe you think. Absolutely. I mean, th- there were times last year, even the year before I would come in and tell the guys, Hey guys, I'm not feeling well, or I just got a lot on my mind. And that's where the word vulnerability has to come into play. I think you have to be vulnerable, open, honest, and direct with your team to let them know, hey, yeah, we're human too. You look up to us and, and we're mentors to you and, and we appreciate how much you listen to us. Yet at the same time, we're going through the same emotional, you know, up and down roller coaster, same thing as you are. We may have a little bit more life experience, yet at the same time, we still have feelings and emotions. So there are many a times that I've come into practice and say, talk to the coaches and then tell the team, guys, I ain't got it today. You got to pick me up. Yeah, I just offer of that. I think if a coach came in and said that, I think that creates the environment of, open, honest communication and vulnerability, 100%. Like just that one time a coach does it, that'll give all the players that much more of the comfortability to come to, you know, your coaches uh, about certain things. Um, And so when it comes to 
allowing your players to be open and honest about certain things. I think the coaches definitely have to create that environment because players are not just going to come in and be super vulnerable just off right the bat. So if a coach uh, like you did, Coach Cooley, do that, I think your players are just more in tune with being open and honest with you. And I would tell both of you that I think those of us in the media also have to be much more sympathetic. I know I would, but I can't speak for everyone, that if, Ed, if I were doing your game, I'd just say, you know, he needed, and he wasn't there, he needed a break. It's cool. He just needed a break today. Whatever is going on in his life, he needed a break. Let's move on. And that should be accepted, that it's okay to not be okay. Right. You know, I think that's critical for everyone to accept in the general public and how we convey it you know, on a broadcast as well. All right, last thing, I just want to get your, to your teams, uh, and I really appreciate all your insight onto this topic. John, I'll start with you. You guys had a great start last season. You and Army were the only ones in the Patriot League allowed to play early. Then you had the conference, and then you guys ended up losing to Loyola, Maryland, which had a number one draft pick on the roster. So what are your thoughts on what Navy's got for this season? Yeah, uh, I think 100%. We just have, we have depth. I think that's our strength. We... We can go 10 deep if we really want to and not miss a beat. And then we have experience. You know, we have pretty much everyone coming back besides, you know, Cam Davis and then our two twins, Alec and Luke Lair. Um, but Cam Davis obviously being our front runner on the team last year, averaging, I can't remember, about 17 maybe. So, yes, on paper it looks like that's a big blow. But I think everybody understands how much more they're going to pick up but also we all had the experience from last season and then some of my classmates previous season where we had a lot of minutes. Now we can kind of bring it all together and just kind of figure it out. I think the coaches trust us all. I know they trust us all. And uh, I just don't, I don't think there's too much to worry about. Obviously we got to put the work in. Obviously nothing's guaranteed. We have a target on our back now just because of how well we did last year. Um, but we understand that a lot of people are still doubting us in a way because Cam Davis is no longer. Well, I, I fully expect Navy to be in the thick of it, the Patriot League race. All right, Ed, Nate Watson comes back uh, because of COVID, obviously allowed to get that extra year. You guys should be one of the bigger teams in the Big East and somewhere in the mix. What are you seeing here in August? Well, I just met with our group just prior to coming on here, and I told them how grateful and proud I was of the work that they've put in so far this summer. It's one of our better summers on building camaraderie and chemistry. You know, coming off a very disappointing season last year, um, I, I like the group and what we're doing. Uh, I like the league. Uh, the league is older, uh, very experienced, well-coached. Um, but I, I like our chances. You know, I, I do. I like our chances. I never think we're great. I never think we're bad. I think we're going to be super competitive. I think we have guys that have been there, done that, and players that are going to play with a chip on their shoulder and know how last year ended. So hopefully we can build off of that. And, you know, you got to get lucky, too. Hopefully we get lucky more often than not and find ourselves winning the Big East Championship. All right, quick question, though, before I let you go. Early candidate to replace some of David Duke's scoring? Uh, A.J. Reeves will pick his scoring up. Um, I believe uh, Jared Jared Bynum will, as well as uh, Al Durham and uh, Manaya. You know, I mean, we, you know, we, we got an older group. I think my team may be older than this screen, you know? Yes, that's right. Picking up the Indiana Transit, Al Durham's a huge pickup. All right, last word from you, Craig. What is your message to coaches as we – Enter this next phase of the pandemic where, you know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, some schools have a, uh, have a requirement, some don't. 
Um, there's still some, you know, turbulent waters as we get through the Delta variant to get to, uh, you know, by the time we get to November, hopefully we're in a better place than we are even in now. But what's your sort of message to the coaches as they prepare for even a different way of looking at this season? And especially given what we've been through uh, and what we don't know going forward, the, the name of the game is flexibility. Be flexible, stay flexible. The reason why we had such a great year last year from a from a getting the season done was because our coaches remained flexible and they remained very vigilant on the needs of their programs, especially their student athletes. So, you know, when my message uh, at the start of the season is going to be, we have to do more of the same and get better at what we did during the past season, because I think the coaches did a great job of sort of navigating a bunch of different obstacles that they're not used to navigating and getting us all the way through to the NCAA tournament. And having fans in the stands, which seems to be the norm, uh, will be massive for everyone involved. Hey, I really appreciate all of your time in talking about this topic. I know there's more to do on it. I wish you all the best. John Carter Jr. at Navy, at Cooley at Providence, Craig Robinson at the NABC. Thank you, everyone. And best of luck going forward. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I really appreciate your listening, downloading, and engaging in a topic like this and throughout the course of our podcast all year. Of course, you can check out all our content on our social media platforms at NCAA.com and March Madness. Just coming off the NBA draft, we can get deeper into the roster shakeups, obviously, that are still continuing uh, as we get closer to the season. Some stuff will start to happen, obviously, in the next couple of weeks. Notably, Indiana going on a foreign trip to the Bahamas. There are a couple of those schools that are taking trips as well. So uh, at least just a little bit of that happening, I think, is obviously good for the sport. But everyone's got to continue to be mindful of what's going on in the real world, which is get vaccinated. If you don't, you're going to live a different life in college athletics, let alone the world. And the more people get vaccinated, the more we can have more normalcy across the sporting landscape. Appreciate everyone. Thank you. Be well. We'll talk again soon. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.